And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Good Tuesday morning and Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And today we've got Joe Connor. Uh, Joe is a, a gentleman who, in uh, 1975, when he was nine years old, uh, his father was blown up in a bombing in Boston uh, by the uh, FALN. And this is a radical group, uh, Freedom for Puerto Rico, but there are also these communist groups literally all over South America now. And uh, it's it's part of the same basic structure. But um, uh, Joel, if you don't mind, I'm going to start this. Let's play that uh, first video and then we'll go into the dialogue with Joe. I remember the first Met game my dad took me to, and we were sitting at the very top of Shea Stadium. It was probably 1971. It was just a beautiful day out with, with my dad. You know, he loved the Mets. He loved his sports. That's one thing that I'll never forget, is sort of being in the car with him and being at the game with him, just enjoying his presence. It was an idyllic childhood, to be honest with you. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood up until I was nine. My dad was a very decent, honest family man. As a matter of fact, on that day, January 24th, he was looking forward to coming home that Friday, celebrating my brother's 11th and my 9th birthdays. It was going to be a big family event for us. Francis Tavern has an extraordinary place in American history. It's where the Sons of Liberty met. It's where George Washington bid farewell to his officers at the end of the Revolutionary War. And it's also the place where Frank Connor, my father, was murdered in 1975. On January 24th, 1975, I was working as surveillance on the west side of Manhattan, and the sirens started to go off. Just an endless stream of fire trucks, police vehicles going down to the southern end of Manhattan. Short time later, turning on a radio, easy to find out that there had been a bombing at Francis Tavern. No 
nobody dreamt that this was a daytime bombing of a restaurant in New York City in the United States of America because it simply was not the sort of thing that happened in America. The senseless bombing had been perpetrated by what was arguably the most active terrorist organization in U.S. history, the FALN. But in 1975, the FALN was a newly formed, previously unheard of organization that through deadly violence advocated complete independence for Puerto Rico. I kept hoping and thinking that maybe he's under rubble trying to get through and there's a mistake. It really didn't happen, that he was okay. My mom says now that all she wanted to do was run. She wanted to run out the door and keep running. I remember I was a little tiny nine-year-old and I was one of the guys that picked me up and I was sort of punching him in the back, not knowing what, how to react to something like that. Joe, this is the Bissell dining room at Fonce's Tavern. And this is the room that suffered most of the damage in the bombing on January 24, 1975. The bomb was placed actually just on the opposite side of these doors. Waiters and some of the other witnesses remember seeing somebody come through this door carrying a large duffel bag. Uh, he looked around the room. One of the waiters was about to approach him and tell him to, that he had to leave when he stepped back out apparently left the bomb outside. This was a typical FALN device. It was a quantity of dynamite, right. included propane tanks, which was one of their trademarks in building their bombs in the early days, and a simple timer, a wristwatch altered to serve as a timer to set off the device. So he knew when he placed it that essentially the people that he was that he had seen were going to feel the impact on Absolutely. He knew that he was committing mass mur murder, no question about it. Where, where would my dad have been sitting in relation to this table? I believe your dad was sitting at the end of the table here, Joe, uh, and would have been one of the first people hit by the blast of the bomb. Joe, the bomb being just outside this door here, when it functioned, much of the blast came, of course, through into this room, knocking down this door, and that shockwave would have taken everything in the room and just made missiles out of it. So you have victims that have pieces of glassware, pieces of silverware pushed into their bodies as a result of the blast. they chose the time, the place, the day? The communique that they left said that they were trying to kill capitalist, imperialist pigs in Francis Tavern, and specifically cites Francis as being the target. Four died, and more than 50 were injured. It was a typical FALN operation, one of over 130 bombings between 1974 and 1983. But on that crisp winter day at Francis Tavern, no one could imagine what the future held for the murderous members of the FALN. Hillary's biggest problem running for the Senate was that she wasn't a New Yorker. And how is she going to appeal to the specific ethnic groups that make up the New York State electorate? So, in September 1999, right in the middle of her Senate campaign, she was approached by City Councilman Jose Rivera, who really is a spokesman for the Hispanic community in New York, who 
gave her a packet urging the pardoning of the FALN terrorists. And included in the packet was a letter to Hillary asking her to use her influence on her husband to get these pardons granted. And two days later, they were. Freedom came today for most of the 14 Puerto Ricans who accepted President Clinton's controversial gift of clemency. Eleven of them, who described themselves as nationalists, some others described them as terrorists, were released from federal prisons around the country. It made no sense. Not one of the incarcerated FALN terrorists had requested clemency or had expressed any remorse. In fact, prior to that action, the Clinton administration had granted clemency in just three cases out of over 3,000 applicants according to the Office of the Pardon Attorney at the Justice Department. It was putting a political agenda of the Clintons above my father's life. Sandy Berger appeared on television a day or two after the pardons were granted or after the clemency was granted and stated that these people were not personally involved in violence. That's simply not the fact. In this case, these people were convicted of planting 36 bombs in Chicago. If that's nonviolence, then Mr. Berger's dictionary is a little bit different than mine is. The Department of Justice uh, received a memo from the FBI saying that under no circumstances should these people be released. The President of the United States, who had access to all this information, ignored the facts of the matter. You have to ask yourself, who benefited from this besides the terrorists themselves? It's my view that have concluded the only other person that could have benefited from this was Hillary Clinton. The Senate, on a 95 to 2 vote, later denounced President Clinton's FALN clemency. Candidate Clinton claims she is the most experienced. Her husband claimed she was intimately involved in his administration. And yet, Hillary said publicly she had, quote, no involvement in or prior knowledge of the decision. Obviously, she knew about it. Obviously, she asked Bill to do the pardons. And obviously, when she says she knows nothing about it, she's not telling the truth. dare they. Um, my father was a decent, honest um, family man, and he was being forgotten or used as a political pawn by those people who didn't have his decency, didn't have his family values, and wasn't the kind of man that my father was. Okay. Um, <laughs> Joe, um Welcome to the program. Uh, our guest today is uh, Joseph Connor, and he is the author of a book called Shattered Lives that is being turned into a, uh, a movie, a, a full-length movie. And uh, Joe, your experiences, we're going to be talking in depth about your experiences in working with the Senate, with the Congress, with uh, groups all over the country in trying to expose how really, the, how twisted uh, the process, the political process has become and how uh, completely, I guess I would have to call it diabolical, uh, the, the use of human lives and the many things that uh, the politics that run this country have have uh, you know been manipulated. Uh, Joe, welcome to the program. Please, thank uh, you so much. I appreciate it. 
Well, let's uh, let's get into this in detail, please. If you wouldn't mind, do a little bit of a lead-in on some of the programs that you've been involved sure. with. First, I'd like to just give credit on that video. That came from the Citizens United um, Hillary movie that, if you guys recall, um, it, it went all the way to the Supreme Court um, because it was a, uh, they weren't allowed to advertise it because it was considered political speech. And... Um, the Supreme Court overturned it, um, and the McCain-Feingold uh, campaign finance law. So, so this was a fairly significant movie, and we put it together. I was asked to be part of it. Um, it was when Hillary was running. I think it was the first time. Maybe it was the eighth time. I'm not quite sure, but it was uh, it was one of the many times she was running. And um, this one, she lost to Obama. But they put the put the movie together with Dave Fossey and the Citizens United team, and. I just want to give credit uh, to them. Um, yeah, well, I, I've been working at this for quite some time. Like, like you said, my, my father was killed in New York at Francis Tavern. And Francis Taverns were, like I, like we said in the movie, where George Washington bade farewell to his officers after the Revolutionary War. It's the oldest structure in Manhattan, and uh, it's one of the most significant places in American history. Uh, it was specifically chosen by either the FALN or one of their um, sister groups like the Weather Underground uh, for its historical significance. Um, they were The FALN was arrested for the most part in 1980 in uh, Evanston, Illinois. Um, they were sentenced to 55 years to 70 years, depending on the uh, terrorists um, in Chicago, uh, basically um, being put away for life. Mm -hmm. That. Um, uh, one of the FALN members, Oscar Lopez, was not sentenced at the same time as the others. He was caught later, and he was put he was again put in prison for 55 years, and um, as a, an additional 15 uh, for trying to escape from prison with explosives and a helicopter. So, you know, we're not talking about choir boys here. These guys were extraordinarily dedicated to their jobs, um, which was being a terrorist. Um, one of the other members, William Morales, was apprehended a couple of years later in 1977 when the um, bomb he was building in this Queens bomb factory detonated. Um, his uh, Nine of his fingers were blown off, one of his eyes. And by the time the police and the fire department got to the to his apartment, he was uh, trying to turn the gas on to uh, and, and destroy evidence. Um, he wanted to turn his apartment into a, into a bomb itself. So... This is the dedication that these uh, terrorists uh, had. Um, there was only two fingerprints uh, from 130 bombings. Uh, one in that they were found at the uh, a bombing at the um, uh, Immobile Oil Building on 42nd Street, um, where I actually worked years later, which is mm -hmm. crazy. Um, and uh, so what I'm saying is they were very dedicated. They were very... Um, um, disciplined. Uh, they were masters of disguise, and they they, at, they wouldn't testify at their own trials because they didn't recognize the U.S. jurisdiction over them. At sentencing, they threatened to, to kill Judge McMillan in Chicago, who carried two revolvers under his robe. Um, they threatened the prosecutors, and uh, um, they showed absolutely no remorse. So these guys were put, and gals, were put away essentially for life in the early 80s, and that is um, 
one of them, like I said, uh, William Morales, who blew himself up in the bomb factory, ended up in Cuba. Um, he escaped from prison in New York with one finger um, and from the Bellevue Hospital um, uh, prison ward. Um, he ended up in um, Mexico where he was in gunfights with the Mexican Federales. They arrested him in 1981, and he spent years in the Mexican prison before they extradited him to Cuba where he remains. Um, that's where I come in because I was, I, I've been fighting for his return from Cuba since the, uh, since around 1990, when I got a job at the Morgan Bank where my dad worked and I got a look at his personnel records and I started really feeling that I needed to um, pursue justice. Um, the rest of the FALN were in jail at the time, and um, but I wanted Morales back. And I've been working at that ever since. Um, and I've ended up testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee a couple of times, introduced a bill to Congress called the Pardon Attorney Reform and Integrity Act. Um, uh, testified at Eric Holder's Senate confirmation hearing about his role in the release of the FALN in, uh, in 1999. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, my father's godson, Steve Schlag, um, was uh, in the World Trade Center on the 103rd floor on 9-11 um, as I commuted in uh, and through the Trade Center and saw the buildings explode. And... Um, Steve was murdered that day. Um, so we been through the really hit hard by terrorism twice and as a family. And as a result, um, you know, I've been to Guantanamo Bay as a family member and uh, have been fighting the uh, the fight of 9-11 and, and the FALN. Um, and I clearly see the difference. Um, as far as the 9-11 attacks, we went to war uh, to avenge them as far as the FALN those uh, our politicians released the terrorists for political purposes. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they shut down Gitmo and uh, eventually released Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the rest of the five high-value detainees saying that, well, they didn't fly the planes because if they did, they'd be dead. So they didn't do it. And that's what the argument has been about the FALN members. So um, anyway, that, I, that was a bit rambling, um, but it's a big story. There's a lot to it, and I kind of wanted to give you guys some, sort of a, um, a background. I'm happy to take, uh, you know, to slow down now and answer any questions. Well, um, Joe, one of uh, one of my very, very good friends and uh, someone who uh, has a personal contact with this that you would be kind of surprised, his name is Matthew Cummings. He's a Pentecostal minister. Uh, in New Mexico now, he was out in Washington State when I first met Matthew, but uh, his his mother enrolled Matthew in uh, the Detroit school system in 1968 in a program that was called the New School. Uh, he was six years old. He was a uh, uh, first grade, and she enrolled him in the new school because this was supposed to be a really, really uh, forward-looking, very, uh, you know, very good education program. Well, as it turned out, uh, Bill Ayers was the principal of the school, and Diane Otten, who was a bomb maker for the Weather Underground, who 
later blew herself up was actually Matthew's first grade teacher. And uh, I know you can't make this stuff up. No, you can't. You can't make it up. And uh, needless to say, uh, Matthew, his first day of school, he came home and his mother, Doris, who is an absolutely lovely lady, um, he and she asked uh, Matthew, she said, what did you learn in school today? And he said, I learned that I don't have to listen to a thing you tell me and uh, that I'm uh, much smarter than you or something to that effect. And um, she slapped him in the, across the mouth. Uh, that was the first uh, readjustment of attitude. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he ended yeah. up uh, going to school every day for about two months and reporting back to Doris. And she put together a group of parents. Now, this is a black community, black families, black community. She put together a group of parents uh, to you know, to to talk to the Detroit school system and say, this is, you know, you're teaching communism yeah. in the school. This is not right. We want this to go away. And when they approached the Detroit school system, the response was, we don't care what you want. Uh, this is what we're going to teach. And this is our program. Well, anyway, we all know that, uh, again, Diane Otten blew herself up. She was a lover of Bill Ayers, in spite of the fact that he was uh, married at the time, I believe. Um, but he ended up going to uh, going to prison as well. And, of course, he was uh, released and yeah. ended up being the ghostwriter for Barack Obama's two uh, first novels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's significant. Those those connections are significant. I mean, Bill Ayers was um, a, a community organizer in Chicago as well, and um, very connected with Obama. And one of the F other FALN members who I mentioned before, Oscar Lopez, um, who received a second clemency from um, from this one was from Obama. The first ones were from Clinton, but uh, his he was also a community organizer in Chicago. His brother Jose Lopez still is a community organizer. Is very connected with uh, Bill Ayers and the Weather Underground. Um, and, and that's just not hearsay. I mean, that's just documented. Mm -hmm. the, the, the bomb, the FALN bombs were designed exactly like the Weather Undergrounds. Uh, the FBI members would tell you that the, um, the, uh, the Francis was likely chosen um, under the direction of the Weather Underground. Uh, the May 19th communists um, and the un Weather Underground, they had after um, they sort of broke up, they they continued, and uh, William Morales, who escaped from prison, was was um, was broken out of prison by these people, and uh, so was Joanne Chesimard, who killed Officer Officer Warner Forster on the New Jersey Turnpike in 1972. So um, there's deep connections between the FALN, the Weather Underground, the May 19th. Communist organization, uh, the Black uh, Liberation Army—they're all—they're all really one and the same. As a matter as a matter of fact, when Oscar Lopez was looking to escape from Leavenworth, um, the communiques that he was—he uh, was looking to get dynamite, and it turns out that it was uh, the FBI found out, and it was one of the Weather Underground members who went to get the dynamite—a guy named Claude Marx, 
um, to uh, to um, to break Oscar out. So it was clearly they're all connected. They're all one and the same. They all have the same goals. And the central focal point of all of them is Cuba. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Now, um, <laughs> you know, you're going to you're probably going to be a little surprised that we cover all these subjects, but uh, we have quite a large following in South Africa uh, in the Boer community. And uh, part of the reason for that is because one of my guests, uh, frequent guest, is Harry Buyans. And uh, Harry talks about the ANC and uh, the groups in South Africa, the, the uh, uh, communist groups in South Africa that basically took over uh, from the apartheid government there and what they've done to the country and uh, how they have literally, it's open season. If you're a white farmer in South Africa, it's open season. It's the most dangerous occupation in the world right now is being a white farmer in South Africa. And uh, so I guess, Joe, what I'm going to, and, and I can see you're ready to pitch in uh, here, yeah. but this is a yeah. worldwide communist movement that has yeah. been uh, in full-blown 100% uh, motion for the last 120 years. Well, that, that, that's absolutely right. And when we, you know, when the Cold War ended 30-odd years ago, um, the war didn't end. The, the, you know, the, the war only ends when your opponent says it ends. And, um, you know, we make that mistake all the time in this country saying, well, the war is over in Afghanistan, the war is over in, in uh, Iraq, the war is over here and there. It's never over until the other side says it's over. It's like the old life from Animal House. And um, and that's exactly right. The communists never stopped. I, I, you know, I don't know if you're a music fan, but Neil Young said rust never sleeps. And um, I, that's exactly what the communists are. They're rust. They never sleep. Um, they continue slowly but surely. Um, you think you've gotten them beaten down, and they just continue. Um, and it's we all have to be vigilant. All of us have to be vigilant at all times, and and about everything, about our children, about the way we talk, about the way we perceive things. Um, you know, we they they never take a break. And you know, by nature, conservatives want to sort of let things be alone and be left alone. But we're we have an enemy that doesn't believe that. We have an enemy that is, uh, they want their fingers in everything, their tentacles in everything, and they never, ever stop. If you no, that's me, right. Sure. They, uh, they never stop, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, we're, we're so naive that we believe when we hear that they're, uh, you know, that we defeated them or whatever, we believe it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what happened in uh, Russia in uh, 1991, I, I, I've played this over and over again in the past, but Mikhail Gorbachev uh, spoke openly in 1987, and I'm paraphrasing his speech when I say this, but he said, and this was before the, uh, the, the Russian, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the, the uh, Russian Congress there. Anyway, it was oh, the, a, the, the Duma. Duma, the Duma, yeah. the Duma. And uh, he, he spoke before them in 87 and he said, don't believe what you uh, hear about uh, the fall of communism. 
He said, uh, you will hear that uh, the fall of communism and uh, perestroika and uh, Glasnost has has broken the, uh, the the communist system. Do not believe that. We are here to lull the Americans asleep, and uh, we will come back in a bigger way. And and of course, uh, people don't understand that uh, the Rockefellers and uh, George uh, Herbert Walker Bush gave uh, Gorbachev a. Uh, an office at the Presidio and a huge sum of money so that he could open uh, an organization called Green Cross. Green Cross is the um, the the environmental movement. The, the, the it's the the number one, I guess, uh, most uh, well respected environmental group in the world. And guess what? They're pushing UN Agenda 21. You look at UN Agenda 21, it is a communist from top to bottom. It's all about uh, controlling everything that people do, every uh, aspect of human life, and in fact, even has a component in it where it says that they need to get rid of 93% of the world's population. Uh, to live in a sustainable world. I mean, Joe, you can't make this stuff up. It, all the dots connect. That's why I named my program Connecting the Dots. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because I was thinking about the name of your show and just on an aside, you know, I remember after 9-11, it was, um, you know, well, why didn't we connect the dots? Uh, we should have connected the dots and, and got down to Zacharias Vesawi and the other um, uh, terrorists. That, um, but... Truth is, now we do connect the dots, and you are connecting the dots, and no one wants to hear it. Um, the same the same crowd who attacked about the U.S. not connecting the dots before 9-11 now doesn't want to hear when the dots are being connected, when you are connecting the communist groups um, and the, uh, and the, in the U.S. And, and worldwide. And so uh, it's a great name, great name for the show, and, uh, you know, hopefully I can, uh, you know, connect those dots a little bit uh, during my appearance today. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's why you're here, frankly, um, you know, and, and we don't get it all right. I mean, we you know, there's a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. We're here basically to present as much of the information that we clearly know and have information that's verifiable. And, uh, you know, there's going to be things that uh, people people in our audience agree and disagree with. That's fine. Um, we had. Uh, uh, certainly, Michael Debari, the host that was on just before me, uh, had some very controversial information, and um, I, I want to uh, uh, congratulate him because uh, um, he is. And I, I guess my uh, screen is frozen, but I'll get that work. And I don't know what's going on here. Um, anyway. Uh, Michael Debari said some things that were probably very unpopular, but we have to present as much information as we can because we're going to be deceived. It's just that simple. And the people that are out there that are that are weaving this plan for humanity come at us from so many different directions. And we just pray every day for discernment and uh, that the Lord will show the truth to us. Absolutely. Um... You know, and I think I think the further we go from God, um, the more we are susceptible to uh, have these false gods. And 
And that's what man, man sets himself up as a false god in communism, clearly sets up man at the top of the of the chain rather than God. And, um, you know, it, it always ends in disaster and it's 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 evil. Um, you know, there's we, we you know, I, I wrote a book 10, 10, 12 years ago with uh, a friend of mine called named Mike Duncan and we called it the new founders. And in the book, George Washington comes back to life in, I think it was 2012. And um, we brought the founders alive again, like reincarnates of them. We run Washington for president. And uh, it, it's a fun book. It's a lot, you know, it, we try to get meaning to, to Americans without beating them over the head in the book. We kind of make it interesting and funny. It's a story. But we, we come down to the fact that the further we stray from God, and, and Adams really pushed that, um, and the further we stray from the Constitution, uh, the b- bigger problems we have. We have the answers to our to our uh, national problems, and the Constitution is a really good way to go and, and figure out how we're going to answer our, our fix our problems. And and clearly, if we have no morality, and um, you know, we, we say that our our rights come from God, but if you don't believe in God and you believe that man is God, then you, but the fact I'll say that your rights are coming from man mm-hmm. and who is that man or who is the people? That's our government. That's our, that's these uh, Klaus Schwab's of the world. And, um, and they then be substitute themselves for a God and, uh, rights can't come from, uh, those fallible, um, some would say evil, uh, mm-hmm. evil people. So, you know, I think that's what the new founders really set out to do is to kind of show people that we do have the answers and um, the, the founders were really incredible people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the more they're dismissed as they are now as slave owners and racists and all this nonsense, um, then, um, you know, that the more, the more we are going to stray from that and, um, and our kids aren't learning the values um, in in school. Um, I mean, we see it where we have su- Supreme Court nominees and appellate court nominees who don't know the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. You, you see them being um, being questioned for their for these positions, and they they couldn't tell you Article One, Two, or Three of the Constitution. So, like you know, it, it's a real big problem if we do, if we don't teach the kids what we're founded on, then we're founded on nothing. And uh, and I think that's the that is sort of a, that's a goal. Um, it's a stated goal of the uh, the international communist uh, organizations. And you know, you take the kids you mentioned before about Matthew Cummings being told by Bill Ayers that um, you know that his mother knows nothing. Well, that's clearly um, a way to uh, with the teacher. Um, that's clearly a way to to separate the kid from his nuclear family, mm-hmm. uh, which is a clear goal. So, yeah, all the all the dots are connecting, aren't they? They are, all the dots. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, we, we've had a number of uh, parent groups on. We've had uh, uh, a, a lady that was on about a week and a half ago who did a movie on the pornography that's being uh, embedded into our school system starting in the uh, kindergarten. And you know the the uh, the uh, open uh, promotion of uh, homosexuality and all the rest. This is all 
part of the communist plan. It is to destroy society by destroying the family, destroying mm -hmm. our connection with God, destroying uh, the concept of our rights coming from God, which was uh, an essential part of our Constitution. It's our whole uh, our whole system of government is based on, on the idea of unalienable or God-given rights. That, that's right. And, and Adam said it, and the others said it, but Adam said it probably the most clearly, where he said once a society loses its piety, the society it won't work anymore. And and that that's exactly right. Um, you know, my, my son actually um, graduated from Villanova University a few years ago, and he worked for a couple of years, and um, he felt like he was called, and now he's studying to be a priest in, um, of all places, Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, he, he feels that, and he, he's very conservative. Um, his story is kind of incredible where he, how he got there. Uh, but um, after a bad brain injury and, uh, and riding my father's bike, which was, and he has the same name, it's like, there's a lot of really, I, I, there, I don't believe in coincidences. There, there's a lot of um, connection, I'd say. And, you know, I think we're all connecting the dots to, to, uh, you know, where we belong in society and how we, how um, we have to learn from what we see and what we uh, experience and, um, and don't listen to other people. I mean, if you notice the stuff that I've written and all that, I really just write about what I, what I've done and what I know, because I, I get to the point where I, I don't trust anyone telling me anything else. Mm -hmm. And I think the story that my family has lived um, is really emblematic of the uh, issues that we face. It's it's being murdered by terrorists. It's being um, it, it's being betrayed by your own government. Um, it's being ignored. It's um, you know it's it's communism. My father was a was a victim of the Cold War. Um, um, certainly was, and and now we be lied. Now we're lied to with the January sixth. They, you know, they failed to mention that um, the precursors of the FALN attacked the Capitol building, um, shot people um, in the early nineteen fifties, and went to prison for it. That the FALN blew up one hundred and thirty bombs in the U.S. over a uh, ten year period. That were in prison, mm. convicted of seditious conspiracy, and released by these very Democrats for political reasons, while they accuse American uh, protesters of 9-11. Patriots. Uh, yeah. Patriots as, as um, you know, a charge with seditious conspiracy and, mm -hmm. and, and call them insurrectionists. When they had these people in prison who actually did that, who mm -hmm. were violent with 130 bombs, who blew up Francis Tavern, who who blew up the mobile oil building, who blew up numerous places in Chicago and, and DC and uh, were in cahoots with the weather underground to attack the Pentagon. But they that's never mentioned. Uh, and that's the frustration. That's that's why the movie, the book was written and the movie was made, which well, we're still trying to get the movie um, um, a home. We'll say and release. Well, let's actually, if you uh, if you want, Joe, we've uh, Thumper, we've got that movie trailer. Uh, and one of the things, if you want to uh, pull that up, we'll go ahead and continue the uh, discussion here. But you might want to have that uh, trailer so that we can show it. Uh, you just yeah, let me great. know when. And uh, Joe, um, 
this is a fascinating discussion because you saw the announcement that I had had uh, Joe China Joe o Biden in that uh, uh, at Independence Hall in 2022 ranting about how the uh, uh, the uh, January Sixers the Maggers the the uh, um, uh, Trump supporters and conservative Republicans were the new domestic terrorists. Now, you tell me, and I, that, yeah, I can see. I, it does the same thing to me. It makes my head want to explode. Yeah, yeah you know, I was home with Maggie Kelly some, some years ago, and she's like, this one makes my head want to explode. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a really bad way to say it, considering what happened. But, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, th- these guys are calling... American citizens, terrorists, when they, for my family, they had the terrorists in jail. They had the exact, they described the things that the FALN did. They threatened, they wanted to overthrow the U.S. government through violent means. They have them in prison and they release them because they think it will get them a few more votes for Hillary Clinton. And that's the bottom line. And then, and then Oscar Lopez re- refuses the 1999 clemency. He refuses it. He wouldn't take it. So I end up going to his parole hearing in 2011 on guess what date? January 6th. And guess what his birthday is? January 6th. And, um, and we kept him in jail. And then in Obama's last days in office, he gives them a second clemency for the same crimes. Never happened before. Uh, they, they try to make him the freedom hero of the Puerto Rican Day Parade that year, 2017. And think about how insane this is. They announced it at the World Trade Center. They, they announced that they were going to give a Freedom Hero Award to a convicted terrorist at the site of the World Trade Center, where the biggest terrorist attack ever happened, and only blocks from Francis Tavern, where the FALN committed its most heinous attack. This is the insanity that we live with. Mm-hmm. So on, on that front, we ended up getting um, Goya, Goya Foods and the New York Times, believe it or not, the uh, Yankees, um, a bunch of... Um, sponsors to pull their sponsorship of the Puerto Rican Day Parade. And so Lopez was not um, given that honor, but he was allowed to walk in the parade. And um, someone said, will you go to the parade? I said, ah, I'm not going to that. I was, my daughter had a dance recital that day and uh, I went to that. Um, I wouldn't go to see Oscar Lopez. I faced that idiot in prison already and listened to his lies and um, obfuscations and uh, realized what kind of scumbag he, he is. And, mm-hmm. um, and the rest of the FALN and the rest of those, uh, like, like Bill Ayers, a, a punk, absolute punk, um, who who really wanted to, like you were talking before about um, reducing the world's population. That was his goal. I mean, that was what they talked about. Um, and, um, you know, we're just talking about some bad people. Oh, you got the trailer up. Cool. Yeah, we've got the trailer up. Let's go ahead and play that trailer and it'll... Uh give a little bit of an idea of uh, why you want to get this movie out. Look, I've carried this on my shoulders since I was nine years old. We, FALN, the Armed Forces of the Puerto Rican Nation, take full responsibility for the specially detonated bomb that exploded today at Francis Tavern. And at that point, I knew what forever meant. It was one of the most extraordinary prison breaks of the 1970s, made all the more so by virtue of the fact that this man only had his left thumb on his hands 
His left eye was destroyed. My father deserved better than that. You know, he was a better person than any of these politicians could ever be. You can't imagine what terrorism does to a family. It has a fallout in every aspect of your life, and I don't want anyone to have to ever deal with it. You can only give forgiveness for people who ask for it. You see, after 9-11, we went to war to stop the terrorists that murdered Steve. After my father was murdered, we let them out. Okay, uh, Joe, that, um, <laughs> um, you know, that's a trailer for the movie. Now, um, let, let's talk about some of these connections, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big George Bush fan either. I'm, uh, I, I see all kinds of dirty fingerprints all over crap uh, by leaders everywhere. So, uh, but I will tell you that I am very definitely uh, a, a believer in uh, the, uh, I guess what I would call the power of the communist movement and the power of the politics of the new world order and how they have put people in the presidency. We don't have elections anymore. We have selections and the selections are by the people who at the very top of the of the hierarchy, and I'm talking international banksters, okay? I'm talking uh, uh, people like Klaus Schwab. I'm talking uh, people like uh, Yuval Harari, who talk openly about how uh, man is God and how we need to get rid of a huge segment of our uh, human population. I mean, every bit of this stuff is so anti-Christian and so anti-human and so incredibly evil. And right at the center of it is atheism. And atheism, I, I just finished a book uh, called uh, uh, say, uh, uh, Marx was a Satanist. Uh, it was written by a, a, a minister uh, who spent, uh, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years in a Romanian uh, prison because he spoke out against communism. Uh, you know, there's so many, <laughs> so many connections here. And I guess I'm leaving it open to you because, you know, look at the, look at the uh, Clintons and some of their philosophical roots. Look at the Obamas and some of their philosophical roots. And I could do the same with uh, the Bushes. I could do that with a lot of people. We've had some, just some incredibly, uh, um, I guess what I would call some very diabolical leadership, and we need to get away from that. Yeah, look, like I said before, I, I like to talk about things I, I know and things that mm -hmm. I'm sure about. Um, I was on Hannity some time ago, and um, it was after the uh, Eric Holder, just to, to, round, to round the story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Eric Holder was the deputy attorney general under Clinton. Um, Holder was given the task and Dick Morris talked about it a, a bit in the uh, in the Citizens United movie, but um, Holder was given the task by Clinton of uh, justifying the release of the FALN. Now, now the clemency is a uh, power, constitutional power of the president that's unchecked. Um, in Federal seventy four, Alexander Hamilton wrote 
to the effect that no president would abuse it lest he be thought a conniver. And my brother Tom actually, he said, well, um, Hamilton didn't uh, envision Bill Clinton. Good point. So, but, but the truth is that so so Hannity asked me about when I about Holder and having I, I having testified against him at his uh, attorney general uh, hearing in D.C. Mm -hmm. and why did he do it? Why did why did Holder and Clinton put this together? And um, it's clearly to help Hillary and her votes, but there's also because they believed it, because mm -hmm. they believed in the FARA, because they believed in the communist way of it. It has to be. You, you, you don't you don't do these things. This is a this is a major step for a president who who commuted the sentences of thirty of three out of three thousand people prior to the FAL and who never even requested clemency, by the way. They never even requested it was, it was, mm -hmm. it was trust of common. So, so that when you make a major decision in life on anything, buying a house, getting married, having kids, buying a new car, it, there's never one thing that drives that decision. It's always several things have to come together to, to make that decision. And that's, I think that's kind of universal. So it wasn't just about Hillary Clinton. It was also because they believed in it. Mm -hmm. I, I've often wondered, you know, in 1974, when Hillary was a grad student or Bill, whatever the hell they were back then, hippies, um, when they heard that Francis exploded and they killed reactionary corporate executives, my, my father was a 33-year-old New York City kid, a first-generation American um, who got the job out of high school. But nonetheless, he was a reactionary corporate executive, in the words of these communists. Um, what was Hillary and Bill's reaction to that that day? Mm -hmm. um, I bet it was pretty happy. I bet they thought it was pretty damn good that the that, um, – that that American capitalists were getting hit, and they never cared about our family. Like you know, the, people ask me, did you did they ever apologize for the clemencies? And the answer is, <laughs> are you kidding me? Um, a few years ago, I was at a conference in D.C. for something completely unrelated, and uh, guess who was the speaker at another conference that was there? It was Eric Holder? So. So he he gave his speech, and I happened to be in the room, in the back of a big ballroom. And as he walked out, I approached him, and I said, "Mr. Holder, I'd like to talk to you." And you know, I'm not a I'm not a leftist. I didn't throw blood on him or anything like that. Um, I just said, "I'd like to uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Why did you re Why did you release the terrorists that murdered my father?" And he looks startled. Um, oh, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry for your loss, firstly. Bullshit, right? That's BS. He wasn't sorry for anybody's loss. Um, if he was sorry, he wouldn't have done it. So um, then he lied and he said, well, I, I, their, their um, sentences were uh, abnormally long um, given the guidelines, which was untrue. The Dan, Dan Burton did a report at the time and that was a complete lie. Um, they never asked for clemency. They never um, requested it. They never showed any contrition. And uh, so, so, Holder didn't care. Um, and, you know, this is what I got. There's no one ever going to apologize. You know, he said, I'm sorry for your loss, which was just, you know, a BS line, but he didn't apologize for what he did. And he had a chance. So um, this is who we're dealing with. They, their power, their man-made power um, over um, 
the people is what they what they uh, crave. You know, mm-hmm. I think you were you, you um, referred to. Oh God, you said his name is uh, I forget now the the name of the the guy you talked about, but Matthew but, Cummings. No, 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 no. One one oh. of the leftists who wants to uh, reduce the um, the population. Oh, Yuval Harari. Yeah, right. And I think he was also the one who said somewhat recently that. Um, you know, you give them video games and drugs and um, and and keep mm-hmm. and keep the masses busy, um, because we're not worthy. We're, they're above us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, when I testified at Holder's confirmation hearing, you know, the, literally the way they set it up there is I, I was sort of low down, and you have these senators up on top, like the gods on Mount Olympus, sort of looking down at you. And if there's a video, it's it's on. I gave you the video, but it's long. I'm sure you don't want to show it. But but you know, they they literally look down on you. And and with pity, um, and I'm not there for pity. I'm there to tell a story. I'm there to tell them what, who my father was. I'm there to tell them that Eric Holder, by virtue of releasing unrepentant terrorists, was not worthy of being attorney general. Period. Mm-hmm. And but that's not that you know th- this was a done deal. I mean Jeff Sessions sat there, and uh, you know they had asked me to come down, and 19 of the 19 of the 40 or 20 of the 40, or, no, 20 of the 39 Sen- Republican senators voted for Holder after all this. They mm-hmm. voted for him. I ran into Sessions at a meeting sometime after that, and I said, uh, Mr. Sessions, uh, and he's apologized to me. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. It was the dumbest thing I ever did. I'm like, don't apologize. Do what's right every time. Like, But they don't, because they don't mm-hmm. care. That, that most, of who, most of who's in D.C. is there to, to consolidate their own power, and if it means that they have to make a deal with the devil to do it, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Most of them are globalists, and that's a sad statement, but uh, the globalist uh, perspective right now is kind of a technocratic feudalism based on a, a Marxist role model to control the masses. Uh, that's really it in a nutshell. Now, I'm going to tell you another. I had, uh, about a month ago, I had uh, Victor Avila, who is a... Uh, he was a border guard. He was a special agent, ICE special agent, uh, along the uh, southern border with Mexico. He was a uh, assigned as a special agent to uh, do some uh, tracking and some work against the drug cartels in Mexico. Uh, he was a personal victim of Eric Holder and uh, Barack Obama's Fast and Furious <laughs> program, remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one of uh, they they captured some of the weapons. He was shot. His partner was killed. They were uh, in Mexico at the time. The drug cartels were told they were going to be there by someone uh, inside, and uh, and he was shot. Uh, he did manage to escape, but he was badly wounded. And uh, anyway, he's running for uh, U.S. Congress in Texas now. Those are the kind of people we need to get uh, in our government because uh, it, when he tried to find the answers to all this and tried to track down who was responsible for the leaks and all the rest, he was stonewalled and forced to retire. They forced him out. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I'm with you. Like, so I mean, you're doing a great service here. But what, what's the next step? How do how do we turn this around? See, 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 we can elect whoever we want, but the problem is the 
the the education system, the the non-elected people in government. Um, you know, how how do we how do we get that changed? Um, it's you know, it's 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 become such a you know, in the in the in the new founders, we, Washington um, Washington uses a flush toilet for the first time. And uh, he's near DC at a at a at a um, rest stop, having gotten out of a car, and he asks where the his waste goes, and um, he's told it goes into DC. And he said, "Oh, I was afraid of that." Um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and that's exactly that's exactly the you know this is where it goes. This is so you know mm -hmm. what do we do? Um, you know, I, I I think I think we're a great silent majority um that needs to be motivated and uh and make these changes um joe it, that's it, what we're doing a, yeah we are we are that's what we're, we're doing it. we're all in it and um you know it when it comes to like you know being in the school system and getting on the board and doing all the little little things um that make that can uh, make change and um, it's exhausting because right. we we you know most of us have jobs and we live our lives and we try to do the best we can. Um, so that's what my fight's been, and uh, you know I'll take it to my grave. Well, keep doing it because uh, you know the point is I'm 73. I've I've uh, I, I'm retired, but I've never been so busy in my whole life <laughs> because says. you know. Well, the thing is, we have a responsibility. I have children and grandchildren. I am leaving them this mess. My yeah. father was a communist. Okay, uh, and I I have culpability as a responsible American uh, because. He was one of the ones that was pushing some of the stuff. Of course, he died when I was very young. Uh, he was a good man. Don't get me wrong. He was a very good man. But he believed this, uh, this will. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, he was a communist in the 1930s when it was popular to be a communist, okay? Um, but yeah. the bottom line is, is that uh, the only way we're going to change it is you say freedom is not a spectator sport. We've got to be involved. Like, everyone has something, right? I mean, that's the one thing I've learned, too. Like, you know, I think my story is so incredible and crazy with 9-11 and my dad. But everyone has something. I'm not the only one. And um, mine is just very clear what I need to do. Um, but everyone's got something, and uh, that they can do a little change where you you know change your, on your block, it could grow really quickly, um, and that's what we kind of all need to get involved in. It, it sucks. Look, no one wants to do it, um, but you know I think we all kind of have to realize that this is this is make or break right now. Well, it is, and it's like this podcast. We have viewers literally all over the world. Uh, that tune into this, English speakers, obviously, but um, uh, we all have something we can do, and it is so important that, um, you know, if people don't want to get involved, support people who do. If, yeah. if, uh, if, if you don't want to be involved in running for the school board, support somebody who will. Uh, if you don't want to be involved in, in state or federal government, find good people and support them and go out and hang, hang signs and, and help them financially. This is what we've been falling down on.
Absolutely. And, and, and the language too, like question the language, like, like you were talking about the, uh, the, the pornography in, in schools, mm -hmm. right? And, and when, the, when you have someone like DeSantis and others trying to remove it, you're book banning. No, that's not book banning. It's putting age appropriate material in the school. That's what it is. It's not book banning. So, so you have a, you have a, you have a, a, a world here where the language is just being changed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's be, you're being vilified. Oh, you're a book banner. No, 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 I'm not. Like you, you're not, you don't put calculus books in the third, in the third grade um, class because they won't understand it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's no difference. Putting the age appropriate material in this, in the schools where they belong. It's not a matter of book banning. It's just a matter of, of appropriate books. So I mean, this is, this is the, you know, the, the insanity that we're dealing with. And, you know, people don't fight back against it. They don't question it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be called a book banner, so I better not say anything. Screw that. You know, think for yourself. You know, so you don't even have to do necessarily anything. Um, even if you don't want to run or you don't have any money, just question what you're told and push back. Well, and if you don't have any money and you don't want to run, um, you can go out and you can help uh, hang door hangers or signs or or whatever for somebody who is willing to do that. That is a problem in our society right now, Joe, is that there are a handful of us that are working feverishly to try to awaken America to the mess that we're in. And uh, we don't have enough support. If we have other people who are willing to help us, however they do it, uh, share our name, share our podcast with other people, do right. something. We've got to keep doing something. Right, right. It doesn't matter. It could be little. Everyone does something little and it becomes big. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's what we're trying here. So um, there's so much. Well, let, to, let's but... talk about Obama because, um, you know, he had... Uh, <laughs> He has had quite a uh, quite a history, and the fact that uh, so much of the stuff that he was involved in has gotten swept under the rug. Now, I I, I don't know if you would agree with this. I bet you would. Uh, right now, the the sock puppet we've got in the White House in China, Joe Biden. I refer to him as Joe Biden because he's Obama's third term. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a reason that Obama only moved about a mile and a half from the White House and has a house there that he spends most of his time pretty much controlling policy uh, for uh, China Joe and for the White House. And uh, it's interesting how many of uh, the uh, Biden administration people are not only holdovers from Obama, but some of his top advisors, and uh, and a lot of them are sworn Marxists. Yeah. Look, I I agree. I I you know I I, I obviously Biden's not running the show. Can't tie his shoes. So. Um, so, so someone is, and and I, I, I have to believe it's Obama and his group um, that that are that are running the show there. And um, look, Obama, Obama is a, a is you know a, a leftist Marxist. Um, you know, my my connection my my connection with him is on the Oscar Lopez side, and I'll just give you a quick story. Um, he, Lopez, one of the FALM leaders refused the clemency in 1999, and we didn't know why. 
Um, so he stayed in jail. The rest of them left prison on September 10th, 1999. And actually, um, two years later, September 10th, 2001, I started writing what became Shattered Lives on the train on the way home from work. And I purposely didn't see my cousin Steve because uh, he always made me have a couple of beers with him. He was a bond trader at Canada Fitzgerald, and um, I just wanted to write. And uh, you know, the next day, Steve was murdered as I saw the sides of the buildings explode. And um, so, um, you know, the book changed in that. But 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 Obama w had been talking about giving clemency to Lopez, uh, a second clemency. And so we wrote letters, we meaning my brother and me and some FBI agents, NYPD, bomb squad, uh, politicians even, um, about to Obama explaining who, who Lopez is and very detailed uh, rap sheet, uh, who, yeah, who Lopez is, a very detailed rap sheet. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he didn't ever respond to anything, but then gave Lopez the second clemency. Now we go back to why, because he agreed with it. That's why he did it because he wanted his terrorist out. And this is, this was Obama. Um, you know, Obama had, Obama politically would do what he had to do to stay in office. Like he, he would, he would drone terrorists because that was okay. Um, that gave him some, some juice, some power, um, and people were expendable. So, all right, so kill a few terrorists and, you know, let the, let the Americans think that, you know, American public think that I'm really a, a, a fighter for freedom um, because who cares, you know, we'll kill them anyway and, you know, we'll let it go. But this is the way he he ran his his uh, his administration. Um, I think he would shut down Gitmo if he could. Um, and uh, you know, I think what we're dealing with is a you know a, a radical, um, and a uh, um, I think he is running to some degree the Biden administration. There's others in there too, but usually his sycophants. Um, and uh, you know, and, and don't be surprised if they try to slide Michelle in there before the election in mm -hmm. uh, in November. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the big Mike, as we refer to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, we won't even get into that. Yeah, but I, I want to hear I want to hear your uh, I want to hear your perspective on uh, the summer of love. Uh, Antifa, BLM, all the burning and looting and rioting in our inner cities. Now, believe me, I, I, I have so many black friends. I have uh, many, many, I, I, I would be the last person to want to see uh, the black community mistreated. Do I believe that they have been uh, in the past? Yes. But I also believe that we've done our very level best to right those wrongs and had done that uh, for yeah. the most part uh, before we started having the kind of crap that's going on now. Antifa is a obviously communist group. If, if we show pictures of Antifa, they always have the hammer and sickle. They always have a red flag. It's their... Antifa is supposedly anti-fascist, but it started in Nazi Germany and 
frankly, the only difference between a fascist and a communist is one believes in national socialism and the other believes in international socialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, doesn't it make you a little mental when they uh, when they say Hitler was to the right? I mean, he was an absolute uh, socialist, and mm-hmm. uh, this is this is the craziness that we get. And yeah, of course, Antifa and the rest of those groups were um, just the next generation of the of these groups from the '60s and '70s, and um, communists and. Yeah, and my grandmother used to say about these protesters that, uh, well, that's their job. And I think, you know, she was right. I think that these people, for the most part, were paid um, or somehow misguided or twisted um, to to go out and commit these terribly violent acts, but but mostly nonviolent uh, violent acts. You see, um, it was like the FALN when they when they were released. The Clinton said, well, they were nonviolent, nonviolent terrorists. Yeah, um, the same kind of thing that the uh, that um, you know, you saw these cities burning and re- news reporters saying that they're mainly nonviolent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is what we have. Um, and I, I, I can't I, I can't imagine like how how people go out and look to destroy this country the way they have. Um, you know, we, you could say America is the it's a paraphrase Churchill. America is the most racist country in the world, except for all the rest of them. And uh, <laughs> yeah. right, and he said that he said it about, I think he said that about capitalism. It's the worst system of all, except for all the rest. Um, and I think I think we could say that about America. Um, sure, we have well, there was slavery here. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. but we did fight a war. Um, Six hundred thousand Americans on either side died. Um, I think you know for uh, we've. I mean, I, I don't see the. It's funny when when I testified against Holder. I didn't know he was black. I didn't even think about mm-hmm. it. Honestly, mm-hmm. maybe I'm really just dumb. I'll take it, maybe. But I didn't even know. I had no idea. Like it never even occurred to me because I didn't think about someone's actions by virtue of their color. Right. I thought about people's actions by virtue of what they did. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and that, I think that's what Martin Luther King, you know, that was you know his one of his main points, and I, I think that most Americans, I mean, the overwhelming majority of Americans, agree with that. Um, you know, we have there's some bad people, but there's some bad there's some bad cops, there's some bad teachers, there's some bad firemen, there's some bad bankers, there's a, there's a lot of bad lawyers. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's people uh, that are you know don't do the right thing in all walks of life and races mm-hmm. and jobs and that, and you know we're we're I think we're the most you know, we're a decent society. Um, and, and to be accused of like, I'm a racist because of my birth. Look, look my, my dad was murdered because he was a white guy. He was. Mm-hmm. He was the FALN appointed themselves as his um, prosecutor and jury and executioner. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. Um, but I didn't blame the Puerto Rican people. As a matter of fact, the Puerto Rican people who I've gotten to know are so appalled and and saddened and embarrassed, humiliated um, by what's going on. It's you know, like as an Irish American, it's the same way with the uh, IRA for all those years. Mm-hmm. Guys were dirtbags. They were scum. They were communists. They deserve to be condemned. They attacked innocent people, um, and it's no different. So. You know, to try to break down Americans along racial lines and create division, um, you know, it's just another way of securing power. And um, and that, you know, 
divided we fall, right? And that's exactly that's what right. the uh, what the goal is. Yeah. Well, that right, was. I, I talk too much. No, you don't. You're talking just <laughs> fine because you're talking the same stuff that we repeat over and over. And it isn't because we're trying to indoctrinate. It's because when you have, I mean, we have hundreds of different guests on this podcast. And all I can tell you is that, uh, you know, when all of them speak and it connects the dots, <laughs> you can't afford to just completely ignore where those dots connect. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's Look, simple. I mean, it, you, yeah, you can't you can't bury your head, and you know, no one wants to deal with this stuff. People just want. To, most of us just want to leave, live our lives, and you know, have a good weekend. And that. but but you know, if we do that and. Because like I said, Russ never sleeps. These guys will keep going and going. And the next thing you know, our liberties will be gone, but also economically, you know, the, mm -hmm. the spending is going, is going to bankrupt the country eventually. It's, they talk about sustainability. Well, this is unsustainable, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, the amount of spending, the inflation um, will eventually um, destroy the country. Um, look at California. Where, you know, people are leaving in droves of one the golden gooses are leaving in golden geese are leaving in droves and uh you know leaving no one to generate money so that you know bankruptcy's next mm -hmm. um it, it's unsustainable we we have to get back to um people taking ownership of their own lives and um you know i, I just feel mm -hmm. like i preach too much but it's just it, it does make me crazy well, it's okay. accountability, Joe. It's accountability. And we've allowed our so-called leaders, and I call them so-called because they do a very poor job, but we've allowed our so-called leaders to uh, become unaccountable. Yeah. They are, uh, they're allowed to do whatever they want to do. And we are so ignorant of our own history and our own uh, political uh, I guess our own political makeup and what our responsibilities are and ownership of your own decisions and accountability. We're so far away from that now because of the way we've been indoctrinated over a hundred years to divert, uh, really to divorce us and to move us away from uh, what made America great, and that it was our unity, our unity under the understanding that we were all responsible for our own actions. Yeah, and and that that it's a domino effect. Like when you're responsible for your own actions, it grows. Everyone feels empowered. Um, like, have you ever, like, for instance, I, I got laid off from my job some years ago, and I got a nice severance package, right? But I didn't earn that money, and to me, I. I didn't treat it well. I spent more than I should have because I didn't earn it. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think, you know, I'm no, I'm no different from anybody else. So if you give people stuff, whether it's, you know, welfare, you know, whatever you're doing to, to, you know, to, to pander and you're giving money away, people don't value it. Mm -hmm. They just don't. It's the human nature. If, if you're given something, you don't, you don't value it as if, as if you've earned it. That's and right. um, I know it from my own self. I'm no different from anyone. Mm -hmm. So, so that's and the more we give things away to people, legal immigrants and even American citizens, um, the less they're going to value it. Um, exactly. yeah, you have to you have to have people take ownership and be proud of their work 
um, and, uh, and and want to succeed, do something the best they can. I mean, not everyone does everything the best they can every day. We all have we all have our days where we're not great, but but I think we all have to be in a position where we want to do that and um, we feel good about it, and we instill that in our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, and. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that, but it's, it's like the old saying, uh, nobody washes a rented car. Uh, if, if you don't have to work for it and earn it yourself, uh, it doesn't have the same value to you that it would if you really had skin in the game. And that's exactly what communism, that's the failure of communism and socialism every time. Yeah. It 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 has failed every damn time. Why do they keep trying to resurrect something that is such an obvious uh, path to failure? Because the ones who are doing it don't intend to be at the bottom of the pyramid. They intend to be at the top of the pyramid. That's why. And uh, bingo, bingo. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah. that is it. Well, um, <clears throat> we we've seen what happened. Uh, BLM and Antifa with the. Uh, with the uh, so-called summer of love, I'd like to talk about, you mentioned that I've got good friends. I, I was at January 6th. I didn't go to the Capitol. I went there to uh, listen to uh, Trump's speech and to show support for the president. But at the same time, I, uh, I, I didn't go to the Capitol, but I have many friends who were there, and I got a lot more that now I've gotten to be friends with. Uh, but Stuart Rhodes is a personal friend of mine. I, uh, I know Stuart from the Oath Keepers for the last 15, 13 years. And uh, Stuart is uh, now dealing with an 18-year prison sentence and I know, I absolutely know for a fact that he didn't go there to create an a insurrection. He went there to support the president and to make sure that uh, law and order was followed. And uh, I've had a number of the Oath Keepers um, on my podcast that were there during uh, that event um, and uh, say the same thing. This is a travesty of justice because what we've got is we've got uh, that China Joe Biden talking about insurrectionists, uh, which were just average people went there to make sure that they followed the procedure that they are entitled by law to challenge the efficacy of the electoral votes. And it never happened as a result of of uh, January 6th and the events there, it never happened. Um, yeah, I mean, it was not, there, there was no insurrection. Um, I mean, uh, I can't imagine what it's like when you go there to do, you know, to just exercise your constitutional um, uh, uh, right and and you're accused of being an insurrectionist, a terrorist. Um, he didn't have a weapon, I'm sure. He didn't garnish it. He didn't hit anybody. Um, so, so I mean, we're attacking American citizens for exercising what they do. And, you know, I think we've seen a lot of that where normal expression, normal, normal deeds are now being criminalized. And, and, and uh, when I, when I look at like, say the, the, 
the impeachments of Trump. He had a he had a normal phone call with the with the Ukrainian. Um, that's what they do. But that that became impeachable. Um, the the uh, connection when the uh, w- one of his advisors was at Flynn uh, was in contact with the Russian um, before the election. That was very normal. That's what generally happens as a as a transition um, occurs between November and January twentieth. Um, that became illegal. Um, normal things that we've always done as a matter of course now have been criminalized. And um, and that's clearly what your friend um, has been through and what so many of these January 6th people were just doing what people Americans have done forever. And uh, and now it now the rules have changed on them. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's tyranny. That's mm-hmm. tyranny when when laws are changed and they're and they're used um, against specific people and not against other people when they're mm-hmm. when they're chosen when to be enforced. Now, so where's your friend now? Is he in jail? He's in prison. Yeah, he's in prison. I uh, I'm trying to get an interview set up with him. Uh, Mike Nichols, who was with Stewart, and and they actually escorted police. They've got video of of uh, the Oath Keepers escorting uh, the police that felt like they were trapped inside the Capitol out of the building, and telling people to stand stand down and move away so that they could move these uh, these uh, Capitol police out of the building. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, Tario, the the uh, young man that was the uh, uh, head of Proud Boys, uh, was in Baltimore at the time of this, never even got near the Capitol, and now he's in prison. Um, and, and, and Joe, then we're going to do, and incidentally, I've been in contact with his mother. We're going to try to see if we can get him uh, on uh, my podcast as well. But... Um, uh, we've got video of China Joe bragging at the uh, meeting of the Council on Foreign Relations in New York City, bragging about how he withheld funds from the Ukrainians yeah. and uh, and how he got away with it as vice president and uh, and to, to get rid of the prosecutor that was going after his crooked son. Yeah, you better stop, better get rid of him in three hours. And damn it, he got it done. That, that was his line or something like that. Yeah. That a, yeah. Talk about a quid pro quo, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you can't, uh, how in the world can we have a completely upside down two tiered justice system? I, I've done a pro, I did a program called Justice. Is it justice or is it just us? Just and us. Yeah. I, I think that, it's I, just I, I, us. The only one who used that word. Um, yeah. I, that's, I almost named the book Just Us. Um, <laughs> I always said it's funny. I had never heard anyone else use that, but yeah, I, I think it. I think it's just us, um, and uh, this is what we get. Uh, you know, can you? I, I, can you imagine? Like, it just you. You make me think about justice in our judicial system, and then you know, you have the um, Colorado Supreme Court um, uh, prosecuting and and convicting Trump for insurrection. Um, without a trial, without any jurisdiction over mm-hmm. it, without anything, and taking them off the ballot. I mean, that's insane. That's mm-hmm. not 
that that's a mavocracy. Mob, that is a that's that's tyranny. Um, and hopefully the Supreme Court will overrule it, and hopefully they'll, you know, the the Colorado legislature will re, will put him back on. But you don't know. You don't mm-hmm. know how any of this is going to go. And every time something like this happens, it it lowers the bar and uh, makes it more likely to happen again. Um, well, and when we talk about low bars, I, we've got to go back to the Clintons. Um, the, the bars couldn't have gotten a whole lot lower than uh, Bill Clinton and his, uh, uh, you know, his uh, <laughs> uh, sexual es- escapades, uh, as they called it, bimbo eruptions uh, at the time. But um, I actually had, uh, it's funny, but I had... Uh, uh, several of the ladies who filed uh, lawsuits against uh, Trump on my uh, podcast. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of their names now, but it's been a long time ago. It's been probably eight years ago. Um, uh, Willie, uh, uh, what the heck was her first name? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not against Trump, against, against Clinton. Uh, Clinton, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I didn't mean Trump. I think, I think you said Trump, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, Ka- Kathleen Willey. Kathleen Willey. Kathleen yeah. was on my I've podcast about like seven or eight years ago. She's a great, she's so nice. She's uh, she's yeah. such a good, I, I met her at that movie premiere. She's just great. Um, mm-hmm. I, and she's hurting so bad. She's, what they did to that woman, mm-hmm. um, they tried to destroy her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's like everybody else that uh, had any dealings with the uh, uh, with the Clintons in a negative way. If they if they didn't kill them, uh, they destroyed them to the point where they might as well have killed them. Uh, you know, we look at like Vince Foster and some of those deals too. But Arkansas, there's a, t- a term that didn't exist before Slick Willie. Uh, yeah, Arkansas. Can I tell Can I tell a quick story? With- yeah, yeah. In '99, when I first testified in front of the Senate Judiciary, right, um, the FALN had just um, accepted the clemency. They were given 30 days, by the way, by the Clintons to accept the clemency, and they they ended up doing it on September 10th, I think, 1999. Anyway, so a- after I spoke, I was talking to a couple, some retired FBI agents who were there, um, and I'm kind of talking to them, and I said, uh, it kind of occurred to me, I'm like, geez, Louise, I've been trying to keep these guys in prison, and now they're out. So I'm like, you know, so I said, well, should I be nervous? And one of the agents looked at me, he's like, nervous about what? I said, well, I've been trying to keep these terrorists in jail. Should I be nervous about that now that they're out? And they're like, oh, no, no, don't be worried about the terrorists. And then he stopped. He's like, be worried about the Clintons. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> so I don't need to worry about convicted terrorists, but I do need to worry about the president of the United States and his wife. And you know, so for a while I did look under my car and, uh, you know, my brakes are always good. Um, so yeah, that's the story. And he was not, he didn't smirk when he said that he was dead serious. Yeah. Um, and well, that was of- before, that was before the FBI, FBI was completely compromised. Now, you know, in yeah. fact, there's still a lot of good FBI agents. And uh, Stephen Friend, one of the FBI whistleblowers, has been on our yeah. podcast. I've heard, I've heard him interview before. He's terrific. Yeah, yeah he is. A good kid. Really I got kid. to know were just, you know, that most of the retired guys are just so offended and hurt 
because they spent so much of their lives dedicated to this bureau where they where they really were doing great work and for the right reasons. Uh, you know, so many of them, their marriages broke up. Um, you know, they, they spent enormous amounts of time away from families to do the right thing. And now they're, you know, the, the politicians have corrupted all the, um, you know, all the things that they, that they treasure. And it's really difficult now um, for these guys. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I've gotten to know a lot of them and they, they value them incredibly. Um, you know, and it's not the agents on the ground for the most part. It's, it's when the, uh, when they switch the, the higher, the upper level hiring from agents to lawyers and, uh, and politicians. And it's really, I guess I should be, uh, <laughs> after this podcast, probably looking over my shoulder. Again. <laughs> well, <laughs> believe me, um, <laughs> not really, because honestly, that's what we're here for. Uh, you know, and I, I hope you agree with me, Joe, if, if we can't, speak honestly, even though uh, we know that there are powers out there that are incredibly evil and directed uh, to destroy what this country is about. We as true American patriots and people who uh, believe and love our country have a responsibility to speak out because there aren't many people that are willing to do this because they're so afraid of the consequences. Well, guess what? If the consequences that we're going to lose our country, the greatest experiment in liberty in, of all times to a bunch of uh, globalist clowns that want to destroy everything, uh, they're going to get it anyway if we lose. So what the heck? Yeah, I think the consequence of not speaking out is probably a lot worse than the consequences of speaking out at this point. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why I do it. Um, and if honestly, if we don't do it, who's gonna? Right? I mean, that's right. That's right. Well, that's why I kind of, I, I told you, I, we'll probably be friends after this for a good long time. <laughs> I because, hope so. You know, well, that you know, the thing is, is we're we're on the same mission. We want to save this country. Um, we Thumper's got. Uh, we've got all the playlist of all the videos that you uh, sent us. Is there anything in particular? that you would like us to show uh, during the podcast? Because we've uh, we've got roughly 25 minutes left, and uh, I don't know if there's something in that playlist that you feel really strongly about uh, that you would want shown. Well, you know, the, I guess the we did the we did the commercial for Trump um, in 2016. Um, some of the FBI agents that I talked about, and I went to, to Trump Tower and did that. I'm just looking at my list of stuff here as I'm talking to you. Um, and the the other thing that I would just kind of like to touch on too is is being at Guantanamo Bay and uh, being in the courtroom with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the rest of those high value detainees, and uh, and realizing that. And I said it to the prosecution at the time that um, you know, if they shut down Gitmo, where are they going to put these people? And are they more likely to release them like they did the FALN? And the answer is yes. Um, so, you know, I, I was there on 9-11. I saw the planes hit. I saw the explosions. Um, my cousin Steve was murdered and a couple of my friends, um, Tim Finnerty and Zach Zhang and others. And, um, you know, I, I just fear that, 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 politicians will do this again and 
when I saw Khalid Sheikh Mohammed smiling and waving and taunting the children of those um, guys he killed on 9-11, um, it really, really angered me um, and made me know that we, we all need to not forget you know, and then the slogan is never forget, but I, I would add to that. It's never forget, but always, always do something. Um, you know, forgetting is a, or not forgetting is a, you know, it's not an action verb. Um, maybe technically it is, but not, not, not in reality, but I, you always have to, like we said, do something and fight back. Um, so, you know, as far as the videos go, you know, the holder thing is really long. You don't want to show that. Um, um, but the uh, the Trump commercial is short. You know, it's a minute or, or maybe a minute and a half. But um, you know, if you wanted to do that, that would be cool. Um, I can't remember what else I sent you, but uh, I think you know that you know that might be interesting for people to okay. see. Okay. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, <laughs> we had an interesting, uh, uh, certainly an interesting uh, program earlier. Uh, Michael Dabari, uh, badass Uncle Sam, did a, a program, and you know I I hate to say it, but we have a tendency to uh, we've we've decided to take sides in all these different uh, uh, battles, in all these different political battles, and sometimes Joe and I'm happy to uh, show that ad. Don't get me wrong. Um, I was actually one of the congress. I, I uh, went to the uh, uh, 2016 Republican convention in Cleveland as a representative for Montana and voted uh, to uh, to put Trump on the ballot as a Republican candidate. With the whole huh. the whole uh, state of Montana was solidly behind him, but um, I, I at the same time. I'm going to say this because Michael showed something, you know, and I'm not going to get into the details, into the weeds, but we've got to quit thinking that somebody is going to save us. The yeah, only people here to save us is us. We're it. Yeah. And, and right. when, if we got the wrong guy at the top, then we're really screwed. At least, at least, at least, <laughs> you know, and I don't know, Trump, look, Trump, Trump's no angel. He's not running for God. He's running for president. Um, he has his quirks. He probably you find mm -hmm. a thousand things that we would disagree in, him. but there ain't no one better at this point. Um, so you know that's what we got to do, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and and I I just wish that we would get back to the point where uh, we recognized that uh, Americans have a unique place in history. Uh, government is supposed to be every single human being in the country that is a uh, a bona fide legitimate citizen is supposed to uh, be self-governing we we uh, our government was always designed to be from the bottom up not the top down and people have gotten so far away from the understanding but that's why i said what i said when we look for saviors we got to quit looking for yeah. one person to save our butt, we've got to do it ourselves. Yeah. I agree. No, you're right. You're right. Um, you know, in, in the in the New Founders, it's funny. Um, it was 2012 when Mike and I wrote it, and Washington comes back, and so many of the things that Washington does in the book are so much like what Trump has done. Um, 
you know, just dis- disavowing the Republican Party. No, it's yeah. going to be my way. You got to do it my way. And, uh, you know, we're going to follow the Constitution. And, you know, but but it's all it's up to all of us to do that. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, if I, I can give a couple of um, just one one other quick thing while, while I still have you is okay. so I mentioned I mentioned Morales being in Cuba um, and uh, the connection seemed to go off here. So, anyway, I mentioned Morales being in Cuba. Um, there is a bill that we had put in front of the Senate last year called the um, Troop of Warner Forster and Frank Connor Justice Act. And the goal of that act is to bring terrorists back from Cuba. Um, we're seeing a push currently to um, take Cuba off the state sponsor of terror list. Um, but you know, my, my position on that is we can't talk about that until they return the terrorists that they do sponsor from Cuba to face American justice. So um, mm-hmm. that's you know, I think that's really important. Like you can. Um, Marco Rubio and, and believe it or not, Bob Menendez from New Jersey um, are the sponsors of that bill. Um, and so I think it's important. Um, it has first one with my dad's name on it um, for justice for him because he's really been really been abused um, by our political system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I just wanted to to point that out. And all this stuff is on my website, which is wewinamerica.com. And uh, the the book, The New Founders, is the newfounders.net. Is the um, it, there's a bunch of chapters from the book that I posted, and uh, I think your your viewers would really like a lot of them. There, um, and you know, I have copies of the book. It's old now. It's you know, ten years, twelve years old, whatever it is. But you know, if you want to contact me, I'll see what I can do about getting a copy. But um, mm-hmm. and then of course, Shattered Lives uh, Movie dot com is out there as well. Um, and I think you put up Joe Joseph F. Connor. Um at Joseph F. Connor is the X or Twitter, whatever, whatever it's called now. Um mm-hmm. if people want to contact me, I'm ha- I'm happy to, you know, to do what I can and, you know, provide as much information to people who might be interested in this stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Incidentally, I wanna I w I've 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 got a uh uh, very good friend. He's a pastor, a Baptist uh, minister in um, uh, Texas, and uh, his name is My- Mark Collins. He has uh, he, he they did a face you know the face mask they did of Washington uh, when he uh, was uh, fifty five years old. They did a face mask of Washington and Mark Collins. Uh, other than having beautiful white teeth, is a absolute perfect uh, 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 twin of George Washington. Well, as a result of that, uh, Mark has been in a number of different movies uh, featuring him as uh, as George Washington, and he was the um, he was the main actor in the History Channel film on the Revolutionary War. Oh wow! I yeah, well, Mark's I a wonderful. Mark. Great, yeah. And well, and he does. Uh, he does these marvelous. Uh, he, he's got his office set up so that it looks like uh, Washington's office at Valley Forge, wow. and uh, so we've done a number of shows together where I say, "Okay, Mr. President, uh, what what you see <laughs> now happening in this country, you know, what are your uh, perspectives?" Well, 
anyway, I'm, I'm going to do this because I want you to go to this. There's a movie, and I actually uh, was uh, helpful in um, uh, funding some of it, but it's called No Time to Run. And if you go to that movie, it's No Time to Run. Um, 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 they've got it on, uh, I think it's on uh, Movie Channel or one of the movie channels. You can actually uh, go and watch that movie. I think you have to pay two bucks or something, you know, to do it. But uh, Mark is uh, uh, one of the, uh, obviously one of the actors in that movie. And uh, so... Wow. It's very similar to what your book is about because uh, what what Mark uh, what the movie is about, and I'm going to just say the basic premise of the movie is that uh, uh, this young black lady and uh, is running for mayor in a southern town somewhere, and um, uh, she sees the whole country falling apart. She sees all this corruption, and she decides to run for mayor uh, in this small community. And, excuse me, and uh, uh, anyway, George Washington comes back to help her. Oh, is that right? campaign, yeah, it's it's a fascinating, but uh, it's called No Time to Run. Uh, oh, that's cool. And, yeah. and go take a look at it. I will. You know, when, when I had this idea for this book, I thought it'd be a great movie. That was like my first thing. And then, you know, I didn't know how to do a movie. Movies, the movies are pretty damn expensive too. So, yeah. so I, I, we made it as a book instead and had a really great time doing it. We sold, sold pretty good. Um, but that's really interesting. No time to run. I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, because we were like, who would play Washington in our book if we made it into a movie? Like, well, Kelsey Grammer maybe, because I think he's on the – conservative side but uh you know we never kind of got there but um, well uh, i'll give you the contact for uh pastor mark collins uh yeah <laughs> in yeah, uh maybe in... maybe we could get him you know put something together here because um and and then you know it's crazy because people are like oh yeah man, the book is really good you saw you foresaw a lot of stuff um why don't you make another you know write another one update it things are moving so fast right now by the time you write a book about what's going on it's obsolete. Like, right, right. Who, who could predict the stuff that's happened in the last year or two? It, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. holy crap. Like, you'd have to, you'd have to, like, write, really, like, write every week mm -hmm. uh, about what's going on because it's, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it, it just, it, the things that we thought would never happen are freaking happening on a regular basis now. So, I don't no, you're right. I I uh, I've been threatening to write a book for the last uh, three years, and called connecting the dots. But uh, uh, the the information the the funny part is is uh, every time I think I really really understand everything that's going on, and believe me, I I, I feel like I have probably because of all the different guests I have. I have more good inside information and connections than just about anybody around. But at the same time, I'm astounded every day what I learn new. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's funny. My son and I have this conversation. He's he's 26, and he's written two books, right? So he, he wrote a book called The Screw Tape, um, called, uh, I have it here, um, Progressive Reports. When he was in college, he wrote it. It's, mm -hmm. um, it was kind of based on the screw tape papers, which uh, 
you know, he mm -hmm. kind of made that as his model. But he's like, the stuff I wrote, he, he wrote it as a conservative on a liberal college campus. And he's like, I look at it now, and the stuff that I thought was outrageous is normal now on a college mm -hmm. campus. So like, you know, we're, how, do you, how do you keep up with it? And I, I think that's part of the strategy too on the left. You know, you, you just keep throwing crap against the wall and yep, yep. Um, you don't, no one can keep up with the, with the nonsense. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, you know, it, 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 and most of it, you know, what, what did uh, Tom Petty say? Most things I worry about never happen anyway, which is probably true, but they throw up so much there. There's a lot to worry right. about. And um, and maybe some of it will never happen, but some of it's gonna, and you don't well, know which one it's gonna be. And uh, and they're normalizing uh, things that are so absolutely bizarre uh, that now people are accepting things. You know, it's like this woke nonsense or the sixteen nineteen project. I mean, you name it. They're uh, they're normalizing things that are so patently false. Yep. It's so patently wrong. And, and if, you know, it's like uh, Himmler said, and I quoted this uh, last week, uh, <clears throat> Himmler said, if, if, if you tell a big enough lie and tell it often enough, people will believe it. Yeah. And, and you're right. And, and then it becomes like, oh, so you make it so outrageous, people start internalizing it, and then, then you slowly hit the insanity, like the craziest part, and people will buy it on the way in because they've already mm -hmm. been accustomed to it. It's, it's, it's insidious. It's intentional, um, you know. And we people fall for it, you know. Uh, men can be women, making a baby. Like what the hell? Yeah, yeah. They it's bizarre. Like, smart people are just totally. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah. yeah. What? They aren't are you, smart are people. You listening to yourself. Yeah, yeah. you know what. The, they, they count on people not being intellectually curious enough to question things. Right. They're just being told, like you see it on the Democrat side all the time. Um, you know, okay, Biden, Biden, yes, uh, he had no connection to his son's um, business dealing. All right. All right. Well, he had a little connection to his son's business dealing. He was on the phone call with his son, but they only talked about the weather. And then you hear people say, well, they only talk about the weather. They'll say anything mm -hmm. that someone, that these, morons can use to repeat to justify what they what they believe and mm -hmm. uh, they just throw out and they know what they're laughing their asses off is there oh yeah well just tell them they're talking about the weather yeah they'll buy that and, and sure mm -hmm. enough they buy it yeah. yeah yeah well and like like uh like we said they you know they uh they normalize bad things to the point when you hear something that isn't quite as bad, but it's still bad. That's the essence of communism. Two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, but they're always on the move. They're always moving forward. And when people say, well, you got to compromise. No, you don't. No. You no. never compromise with communists, ever. You cannot, you cannot because... Because if you start at if you start at, a, at at the right point, anything you're compromising is still taking you away from that point. Exactly. You never, you know, you're not compromising to come back. You're always compromising to go a little bit further away. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Thumper, you've got that uh, that ad up. Let's go ahead and do it real quick, and uh, and then we'll come back on the other side of that, Joe, and uh, kind of wrap up. Okay.
My name is Joseph Connor. I'm the son of Frank Connor, who was 33 years old when the FALN terrorists murdered him at Francis Tavern on January 24th, 1975. Law enforcement officials, FBI, local police departments, bomb squads, all ATF, all vehemently opposed any consideration for parole or clemency from these people. Hillary Clinton was gearing up for her Senate run against Rudy Giuliani at the time in 1999. She had no connections to New York. You know, I know Hillary Clinton didn't murder my father, but I do know that she didn't respect his life and didn't respect the fact that he had a family. The fact that the, the Clintons, again, granted this sort of clemency without any real reason and that the, the recipients of the clemency never even petitioned for it themselves just shows how the rules don't really apply. And there's really, really other than the the terrorists themselves benefiting from this there's only one other person that would have and that would be hillary clinton getting that latino vote in new york state so she used the the clemencies as a political tool she used my father's life as a political tool she uses americans as a political tool and uh she got to be stopped Yeah, that's uh, boy. That is the truth, isn't it? Um, I, I, uh, Joe. I want to tell you, I've got a good friend by the name of Terry Turchy. Have you met Terry? He no, was, he was, um, he was a department head with the FBI. He was part of the uh, originally the counterterrorism unit that uh, that tracked down and found the Unabomber. And he ended up as being the head of, or I guess the number two man at the uh, FBI counterterrorism unit before he retired. He is one of the most lovely patriots you will ever meet. He uh, writes me constantly because he reads the the uh, announcements that I put out and talk, it tells me, you know, keep doing it, Dad. You're doing all the right things. He's right now, he's been on my show a number of times, but he's, uh, his wife is uh, suffering from uh, advanced uh, dementia or all, Alzheimer's. And so he's, you know, he's, he's really going through quite a lot. But there are a lot of people in our federal government, in the various law enforcement agencies that are good people. I don't want to paint all uh, everybody with a, uh, a negative brush, but what you said earlier is absolutely true. It's the guys at the top that get put there by people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama who could not pass a normal... Uh, FBI 
investigation for their credibility to even be in office. And yet we've got them planted throughout our government. Um, when I was in the service, I had a I, I had a top secret military clearance. The FBI is the one that went through and and uh, you know and talked to my neighbors and everything else to make sure that uh, I was I was good for the position I was in. I at the same time, uh, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, um, Barack, or Mike Obama. There's no way that they could uh, pass a, a a very simple, um, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the term. Like, like, like a light, like a light detector test, or a, a background, a background. Yeah, test? a background, a background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For for a uh, for a normal clearance, uh, they they couldn't do it. And these are the people that have been in charge of our government for God knows how long. Yeah, remember remember Comey when he exonerated Hillary with the with the um, uh, with the emails and all that crap mm -hmm. um, some years ago. Uh, qu quick quick story. Um, you know the the when the FALN was given clemency by Clintons, it was a quid pro quo. It was votes. It was Puerto Rican vote for clemency. That's really what it boiled down to. Now, shortly before that. There was a little, there's a town in New York State called uh, New Square, New York, and uh, it's a uh, Hasidic Jew enclave. So it's m like 98% Jewish, and there were a couple of guys who were put in prison uh, for for embezzlement or something like that. And Clintons gave them clemency in exchange for the vote for Hillary, and it was like 99% voted for Hillary. The FBI did an investigation on that. And guess who exonerated the Clintons in that case? Comey. So what we're seeing is that they, they've put people, they, the politicians have put people in place at very high levels that are going to be their bag men. Um, and, and they can count on them to, you know, so they can pretty much do whatever they want. Um, and Comey was, a, you know, he grew up around here. I live in New Jersey. He grew up the neighboring town. Um, um, so I really had no issues with the guy, except that he's been a, a hack. Mm -hmm. And he's one of millions likely in the government that have, that have just been put there for, you know, to, to, to push a political agenda as opposed to justice. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like we said earlier, oh. it's all about just us. It's just us, my friend, J-U-S-T-U-S. -S. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, uh, Joe, this has been a, fa a fascinating discussion. I, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I, I recommend that people look for your movie. It's going to be coming out. It's called Shattered Lives. Do you have any oh, idea great. when great. it gets out? I don't know. We, you know, right now we're we're in negotiation with a couple of different outlets. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't. I, I can't tell you when. Um, I wish I could, but um, I, th this filmmaking thing is new to me and. Uh, it's not it, it's it's not as cut and dry as most things in life that I've experienced. So we'll push it. I never give up. Okay. Well, you uh, you you stay in touch with me, and I will. I will connect you uh, with a few people that you might find very interesting. Yeah, Terry uh, Turchy. I think you wrote. You said. Um, yeah, and Terry Turchy. He's ex FBI, and Mark Collins, and. Uh, 
probably Pastor Matthew Cummings. You'd uh, get a huge kick out of talking to Matthew. As a matter of fact, uh, every summer he does an, a, an event down in New Mexico uh, where he brings in speakers to speak on uh, on liberty issues. Uh, you might be someone that he might want to consider to uh, have as a speaker. Oh, that's absolutely absolutely. I'd love to do it. I'd love to talk to them. And you know, anytime we can we can pass the message on to people and give them real, real world examples. I think it's really important. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, my friend. Right, my and, friend. Uh, I look forward to uh, continuing in this uh, conversation down the road. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your for your all the stuff that you're doing for America. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And keep doing what you're doing. All righty. Well, with that said, um, thank you, folks, for joining us, for connecting the dots. And um, we will uh, be back on Sunday. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. Across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea, from Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. There ain't no doubt.